0: So it's kind of a crazy day. I've got the um, Ole Miss game up because my guy, uh, Mr. Matt Corral, is going to be playing at quarterback. I'm very excited. Hopefully he doesn't make me look very stupid by going out and um, playing like trash. I also am doing a, um, um, a uh, fantasy football draft right now. So lots of things going on. Um, I really hate that I have to do this, but kind of have to do this. And it's, it's just, I feel really guilty and bad. <laughs> as much as today's been bad and sad um, for a few different reasons, I just, I feel really guilty saying it. I did not win the, uh, the competition to go do the barbecue thing with Malcolm Reed. Um, I was comfortably in fourth place. I had a very generous donor donate five hundred dollars on top of where I already was, and I still got kicked down to sixth place. Um, there were people donating fifteen hundred dollars to themselves. One guy donated forty, I think forty two hundred dollars to himself just to win the competition. Um, so yeah, at the last second, about five or six people just completely just lit up uh, the donations. It was pretty stupid, but. Um, as sad as it was to lose, I just, I feel so bad for people. And I I hope that you know that at the end of the day, this is going to an unbelievably good cause that I believe $37,000 or, uh, yeah, no, 37. Is that right? Let me check. Yes. $37,000 was raised, uh, for children in need. And that, that really is the most important part of this. Um, if you're sad for me, don't be, I just, I just, I know it's stupid to say, but I just want to apologize. <laughs> I just feel so unbelievably guilty that um, you guys did all this, and um, I didn't get to go. But um, anyways, uh, this is my second podcast. Why is this so loud? I turned this down as far as it can go. I'm going to have to mute the game, I guess. I turned it down to like nothing, and it's like blaring in my ears. I hope that didn't come through the microphone. I just didn't want it to be muted. I'm so excited for this game. I guess, am I an Ole Miss fan? I don't know. This is weird. I don't know if I've ever been this excited for a football game, a college football game, because I generally don't like college. Um, So, this is my second uh, podcast today. And anytime I do two podcasts in one day, um, the material is always a little bit harder to come by. But we're going to go over Matt LaFleur's press conference, as well as some of the players that went up to the podium, including our brand new punter, which I actually really enjoyed his press conference. Got to listen to him. Um, That was pretty fantastic. Oh, I I gotta just, I gotta stop the podcast and just watch this for a second. This is a good start. I'm so happy. This is. You know what I need to do is finish this podcast and then just do a live stream and just watch this game and we can just hang out. Yeah, don't run the ball. Don't hand the ball off. Just throw it. Throw it, Maddie. You got this. Sorry. (laughs) This is worse than the live streams. Touchdown. Too easy. Well, I didn't say their kicker was good, anyways. So the first thing that kind of arose in the press conference talking with Matt LaFleur was about Z'Darrius Smith, and that is a major factor. We talked yesterday about the Saints. I kind of explained that it's not that the Packers can't lose. There's a lot of variables in football. That's what makes it so exciting, um, no matter how much of an advantage a team has any given Sunday. We see that all the time. Um, but they're not great, and they have some serious issues. But Zadarius Smith being out does create some challenges, and so obviously... Um, I, as I said, I'm, i relatively pessimistic, but, um, Matt LaFleur said he does expect him to practice this week. And he actually did in fact practice today or yesterday, I suppose. Uh, but it was just in individual drills. It was not a full practice. It was very limited and making sure that he does not aggravate whatever injury he has. So, um, again, hopeful that he's going to come back. But one thing we know about the Packers and Matt LaFleur and the training staff and all that, they're not going to rush him back. They're not willing to lose him for six, seven weeks or the season or whatever may end up happening just for the sake of, of pushing him out there week one. If there's any risk of of him being out long term because we want to be, uh, you know, come out firing, there's, there's just no way. They're not, they're not going to do it. This isn't the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? This isn't the playoffs. It was the playoffs, fine. But week one, you know, if you take an L, you take an L, you bounce back. So, I mean, th- the only reason I bring that up, as obvious as it is, is um, it really just kind of goes to my pessimism because he doesn't need to be just good enough to play. He needs to be basically totally clear. If it's, you know, if it's an issue where there's any risk of re-injury, he's not playing. Um, there were no COVID issues, which is great. Another area where I'm pessimistic, although I was pretty pessimistic last year and it all turned out quite well. Obviously, this is a different animal. I do not like the way the NFL is handling this at all. Uh, I feel like they're just asking to uh, for there to be problems. As I believe I've said, they're, they're really not structuring this season the way they did last year, which the, the main goal last year was to prevent the spread of COVID, and it worked. This year, the goal is not to prevent the spread of COVID. It's to get everybody vaccinated. You could say, well, it's one and the same, but it's not. There's a difference, and they're prioritizing making sure everyone's vaccinated over keeping keeping COVID out of, out of the NFL, and um, as noble of a goal as that may be... The fact that we are not really making it a priority to keep COVID out of the NFL is problematic and means that there's probably a good chance that we're going to see more of it, as we already have. And the fact that they're not willing to make any concessions, um, especially if, and this is the other issue I have. How do they know how it got in? My concern is COVID will be in the facility. There will be a guy on the team who is unvaccinated that has it. And they're going to blame that person and say, he brought it in, and therefore you forfeit. Not because that person actually brought it in, because we don't know. We have no way of knowing. But the fact of the matter is, you have it, you're unvaccinated, we're going to punish you, we're going to punish your whole team, because again, this whole thing is about pushing in one direction, rather than, let's just try to keep this thing out. So it's just, it's frustrating. It's more ideological than pragmatic, and I'm very annoyed by that but we'll see how it goes. They did a good job last year of keeping it out, and hopefully they can find a way to um, to keep it out, because that could be... I mean, you got to understand, there is a possibility we forfeit a game this year. I wouldn't say it's a high one, but it is a possibility, and, and a lot of that has to do with the NFL and how good of a job they do of keeping COVID out of the NFL. Regardless of, of our opinions on on how necessary that is, it doesn't matter. That is the way that they set it up. So... I just, I have my concerns, because again, I don't think they're doing a good job right now. Let's go defense. <sighs> I You know, I've, I've always had a hard time picking a college football team. I always said I wanted the Badgers, but then you watch this last Badger game and you see why I've never been able to do it. Then when I moved to, um, so when I was in Kenosha, I picked Alabama. I said, you know what, I'm not going to do Madison. I don't really care. I said, Georgia, Alabama, one of those two. I even said Tennessee might be kind of cool. Just some kind of an SEC team. They don't have to be super great, just something. So I kind of settled on like Georgia-ish. I don't even remember what I settled on. But then I moved to Madison. So I was like, okay, I got to be a Madison fan. Well, then my cousin went to school in Alabama. So I said, well, that's kind of my out. I'll just go back to Alabama. But I'll tell you what, man, all these things are just, I feel, you know, Ole Miss just feels good, man. That might be my thing. I, I might, just, might just roll with Ole Miss. Plus, although I did not win that competition... Malcolm Reed is an Ole Miss fan, and his, that campus, I believe, is a little, uh, around an hour and a half away from his home in Hernando. I was actually hoping I could convince Matt Corral to uh, come to the barbecue, but I won't be there, so I hope he doesn't go. hope he never goes. <laughs> I'm a little bitter. Um, they did, so, a couple things with the Jacksonville thing. So, uh, apparently with practice, they are going to be pumping in noise, because they just don't know. You never know. Maybe a bunch of Jaguars fans show up, or just a bunch of rowdy people. So there's noise. So they're going to practice with noise, but they're also going to practice without. And it it kind of makes sense to just say, well, you should just always practice with the noise anyways, because what's the downside? Well, the downside is it's actually a different way of doing offense if you can actually hear Aaron Rodgers, and you want to be able to practice that as well. So you want to figure out the environment and practice for the environment you're going to play for. Because if you're practicing for not being able to hear, and then you're able to hear, then you kind of just wasted a lot of your time, and you you get the idea. Um, another thing, and this just popped up. I don't know how serious this is. Maybe it's nothing. Um, might've just been like a little kind of jokey thing, but somebody put on Twitter, there is apparently a tropical storm brewing that is headed directly for Jacksonville. Maybe it's not a big deal. I have no idea. As of right now, they're not even projecting rain. So maybe this storm will pass through beforehand, but at the very least, there may be a chance of some nasty weather. And of course, these geniuses, oh shoot, I forgot I was doing a flipping mock draft. Who did I pick on my team here? <laughs> I got so much going on, I just forgot. Sorry to everybody that had to sit through all my auto picks. Where is my team here? Oh, I they, that just put me on auto, yikes. Um, oh, I drafted Justin Fields. I bet I got killed in the comments for that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Whoopsie doozy. Okay. Got my kicker. That's great. Thank you, computer, for for getting my kicker. Whatever. I might as well let it auto-pick the rest of the way out. That's embarrassing. It happens. Such is life. But of course, these geniuses um, completely forgot to pay attention to the fact that this is in Florida, which is prone for uh, nasty weather, possible hurricanes and tropical storms and things, and just kind of nasty weather in general, and they pick a, a stadium that does not have a dome or any kind of a roof, so that could be problematic. But so far, seemingly all good. Just throwing it out there that I saw that, and that could possibly suck. Oh, stopped him on fourth. <laughs> um, otherwise, let's see, Matt LaFleur confirmed that uh, basically... Royce Newman and Josh Myers will be starting next to each other, which, strangely enough, is not surprising and barely even noteworthy, but it's also crazy that it's not even noteworthy. Royce Newman was, again, third on the depth chart. He was somebody that, for a very brief period after we drafted him, some people were like, dude, he could legitimately be a guy, and kind of looking at tackle, and you know, maybe, maybe he could be the replacement for Billy Turner, maybe, 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 and then he got burned down the depth chart, and it's like, well, all right, maybe it's not panning out. Probably won't be that great of a pick, but, you know, we'll give him some time maybe next year. Then all of a sudden he plays one preseason game, dominates, and just has never been bad. <laughs> it's just, and I think it was the experiment at guard, you know, because again, we brought him in to be a tackle and maybe he's just not ready for that. Maybe at some point that'll be his thing, but they, they tried him out at guard and he has never left. So are there reasons to be concerned? Of course, but the the one thing that gives me the most amount of optimism is the fact that he beat out veterans you know we know what we have in um in guys like Runyon you know we could play Runyon and we know what we have we have a guy that started a lot last year and was competent enough and they're like no we'd rather roll with uh we want to roll with Newman he's just better despite the fact that he does not have experience despite the fact that he's less up to speed on this offense and how it works and there's more risk with uh people like uh Aaron Rodgers and not understanding the calls at the line and all those things With all those things already at play, they're still going with Newman. That's, you know, again, that's not just a matter of he's slightly better, right? If he was slightly better, they'd probably go with Runyon. This is heads and tails better. To take all that risk and bottle it up and say, I still want him, that means something. Ah, ball got tipped. These guys are getting open, man. That ball just got two tips in a row. Is that three tips in a row? Come on, man. Whatever. Whatever. LaFleur also uh, reiterated that Corey Bajorquez will be the holder. Uh, Part of his interview was basically saying he's not that worried about hold. He said each guy kind of has their own quirks, but he's been with a lot of different punters and, um, you know, or kickers. And so he's kind of used to—basically, it's the same thing with a couple little tweaks, and he's been working on it. The the confidence that he had, the punter—we may as well just start talking about it— was really impressive, and I, I really liked the interview that he did. Um, very, very confident, very um, reassuring, I guess. You know, I mean, if he was a politician, he's one of those guys you're kind of worried about and you're not so sure, and then they kind of give their spiel, and it's like, you know what? It's a good guy right there. And then afterwards, you're like, why Why do you think that? He's lying to you. <laughs> but I mean, it really, an, an interview like that doesn't have to mean much, but it, it was good to see. You know, he's very professional, very well-spoken, and confidence is important in a confidence position, like any kind of specialist thing you know, punting and kicking, a lot of positions are that way, quarterback, cornerback, a lot of positions you can kind of get in your own head, but it's uh, it's good to see that. Um, um, during practice, the only guy that was observed not practicing was Vernon Scott. Again, Zedarius and Lancaster were out there um, in limited fashion, at least Zedarius was, but Vernon did not practice. Um, going in order here, I know we kind of started talking about the punter, but Elton Jenkins went to the podium first, so we'll start there. Um, kind of just talking about his com- comfort level, he's talked about uh He's been doing it for five weeks. He's pretty well adjusted. He's ready to go. Uh, It's not like a last second thing. And it's actually kind of nice when you factor in how he usually operates. I mean, you think about it, it's like, dude, you you got to play tackle. That's a big, big switch for you. And it is, but he's used to that. And usually it's on the fly. He'll go from guard to tackle and he doesn't have any time to prepare or from left to right or whatever the case may be. He's been the left tackle kind of the whole time. And so although it's a tough position and a big switch... Um, he's had a lot of time to just sit in one spot and be that guy. Um, he did mention sort of the bigger challenge being the fact that you're getting faster, right? I talked about how centers, I think yesterday, they don't give up as many pressures generally because of the guys that they're going up against, not necessarily because all centers are just the best football players in the world. But in terms of, of pass rushers, you're not necessarily going up against the best of the best. Sometimes you're going up against very good uh, pass rushers, but generally that's, you know, it's bigger toward the middle, and then you kind of lean out and get faster around the edge. And so as he moves from guard to um, to tackle, he's going up against a lot more speed. So um, kind of just talking about getting off the ball, moving your feet, and kind of getting used to the speed off the edge is a little bit different than at guard. But again, fairly confident in his abilities. Talking about Royce Newman, he said he's ready to be great, even as a rookie. He says he quickly recognized Newman's pass pro potential as soon as the pads were strapped in. He said he's got great feet and he's got great recoverability. So you know, if he had kind of stopped at uh, he's ready to be great, that's a nothing line, right? That's just sort of one of those, you know, he wants to be great, he's going to be great, everybody's gonna, everybody's great, right? We're all striving for greatness. Well, that doesn't really mean much. It is nice, knowing though, when they get specific. And granted, everybody's got attributes that they're good at, and so, you know, it could be kind of easy to just pick out those attributes and be like, this is what they do well. But this has been kind of a consistent theme, and uh, the fact that he's very specific, saying things like, as soon as he's strapped on the pads, you could see... All these things, and then couple with the fact again of how quickly he rose to prominence, how quickly he got to this job, how quickly they just handed him the starting job—you um, believe it, you know. That's that's the backing behind the words. It's not even a question of of is it real because we see that it's real based on the fact that he won the job. The question is, tell me what it is. What is it about the guy? And and he's honestly telling us. So that is a pretty good insight, and uh, it's nice to know that you can trust the words as opposed to thinking he's just blowing smoke. Um, talking to Bajorquez, they they kind of spent a lot of time talking about his decision and the path that he was on. Um, he mentioned how he chose to go out to LA because he wanted to be behind Hecker. There's a nice throw, but uh, he wanted to go. First of all, he said he kind of idolized the guy. There's a handful of guys that, as a punter, he kind of looked up to. That was one of them. So he kind of saw it as an opportunity to learn from somebody who's great, which really does make a lot of sense. Because at the end of the day, you're putting on a show for a lot of different teams. Now, granted. It's possible that if you're on a team and you win, you got a better chance than, for example, putting on tape and hoping somebody calls because th- there's the comfort factor. You know, again, even with like J.K. Scott, even if you think Bajorquez is a little bit better, there's there's like for me a lot of fear. What if it doesn't pan out? We at least have a comfort level, but still it does make a lot of sense. I'm going to go learn from this great punter, possibly win the job. I mean, that was up and that was a possibility, but more than likely he's going to make me real good. He's going to make me a lot better. He's going to teach me things. And he went through some of the specifics of the things that he was taught, which I I don't know anything about Something about a banana kick or something. I don't know. It sounded like he was describing an onside kick. I don't know. But the um, point is, he just wanted a guy to make him real good so that he can put on some good tape and um, hopefully get a job somewhere. And that strategy did pan out because he did, obviously, the best he's ever done. Um, and teams came a-calling. You know, Matt Corral's not not... Uh, He's not looking super sharp today. At the beginning of the game, he did. I mean, he can throw a ball, dude. He, that thing just launches out of his hands. But the accuracy is not my favorite. Neither is the decision-making. But just give it time. Give it time. We're just getting started. He's just getting warmed up. It's first game back. He'll get there. Haven't really seen a lot of that throwing on there. He hasn't even really moved his feet at all. Some of what I love about this guy is how he throws on the run. Um, interesting and strange little tidbit about him. Apparently, he's right-handed, but he's a left-footed kicker, which I didn't know that that was a thing. It's kind of like being ambidextrous, but not quite because you can only do one, but different in each, I guess. I don't know. But the other thing that's kind of interesting is um, talking about kicking left foot and how much that kind of messes with people, especially the return guys, because the ball just spins differently and they see that ball spinning differently. And even though it's not a big deal, just catch the ball. It, it gets in your head like, what is this thing doing? And you kind of panic. And there's a split second it could get in your head. And that's all it takes for a guy to, to fumble a ball. I don't know any statistics on that. But I don't hate the idea of possibly getting an extra recovery at the 8-yard line because they get all twisty about how the ball's spinning. You know what I mean? Something to think about. Um, He also talked about cold weather, said he absolutely loves it, which I just like that answer. It's not usually everybody's favorite, but he made it sound like he was super jacked up about it, so that's pretty awesome. Also mentioned that that was a big part of the reason the Packers liked him, um, which had been kind of speculated, but you got to hear it from him specifically. They would mentioned to him that the fact that he punted in Buffalo... Um, and did so and, and did a good enough job in the cold weather um, was a big incentive to get him out here. Um, got a little bit of an insight. I see again, I don't really know punting statistics are kind of weird. He had kind of mentioned that four five is sort of the gold standard. it's It's just what you're expected to do. It's sort of just uh, it's like a solid C plus, you know, it's like as long as you're doing that, you're fine, you're getting by. He likes to hold himself to a four7 hang time. so just a little something to stick in your back pocket. At, uh, at 45 yards, he expects 4-7 hang time, so also kind of a strange little story if you want to know about his confidence level. Apparently, when uh, Buffalo played Green Bay in 2018, he walked up to Aaron Rodgers and asked him for his jersey when they were playing throwback, which is, I can only imagine Aaron Rodgers was not, I don't picture him chuckling at that. I, I imagine him thinking, you're an idiot. <laughs> Get away from me, you weird punter freak. Something to that effect. Well, man, this Ole Miss defense is kind of legit. Everybody seems to be right in the right spot, tackle hard, play fast. I dig it. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break here? We got a couple questions that are coming through for us, so we'll get that on the other side. Looks like my draft is done. Again, sorry to those of you who uh, had to sit through my auto picks, and I kept turning it off and then forgetting to go back, so that was kind of a jerk move. But Um, Anyways, this is officially done, so thank you to those of you who are patrons. Speaking of, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so there. Also, don't forget, uh, if you go follow the Packernet Podcast Facebook page and sign up at pristineauction.com using promo code Packernet, where they're going to give you $10 for completely free, we're going to enter you into a drawing to win a Lombardi trophy. Obviously, it's a replica signed by Jordy Nelson. This thing is sweet. I found them online for sale. They're like $350 or something. These things are, they're worth a pretty penny. But you're going to get it completely free. It's going to get shipped out to your house. Yes, international shipping is accepted. So if you're not in the United States, feel free to continue doing it because it'll be fine. So again, just follow the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Go sign up at pristineauction.com. Just register, use promo code Packernet, and you're set. You're good to go. And I'll let you know if you won. By the way, the Packernet Podcast Facebook page is at 1,498 followers, so if we could just get at least two more, that would really help my OCD. I know I keep saying I'm OCD, ADD. I don't know what I am. I just know stuff bothers me, and I don't know why. Probably just a normal, weird person. Is that a thing that's even possible, normal, weird person? I don't know, but we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Folks, please don't forget about DraftKings the official Daily Fantasy partner of the NFL. They're going to be giving new customers a shot at $1 million as a top prize, $4 million up for grabs in terms of total prizes. I am omitting the word free until I get clarification on how all that works, but it's still a massive giveaway. And if you're trying to figure out which Daily Fantasy sports site to go to, I'm going to encourage you to go over to DraftKings, set you up an account, and throw in Packernet as the uh, promo code. And somehow, way, hopefully, supposedly, they're going to get you in free to the Thursday night single-game showdown, where all you got to do is draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Sorry about the dog barking. That thing is out of control. So download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code PACKERNET. They used all caps. Not sure if that's necessary, but do it anyways. This week, new customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize and $4 million in total prizes. Enter code PACKERNET to get a free shot at $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code PACKERNET only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I did that pretty good. little speedy talk thing. I wonder how much that voiceover work pays. Be like, I'll fast talk for you at like a medium fast pace, like just garbled enough that people kind of hear it. That's, that's the crazy thing when like you do the fast talk and I feel like they do that more now. I don't know if it became illegal to do like super hyper fast like it used to be back in the day, but I feel like now they do the fast talk and all it does is draw my attention to it and it's fast, but not fast enough where I can't hear what you're saying. So it's like it, it's drawing me into the exact part that you want me to not pay attention to. Am I the only one? Like there's all these like medical commercials and I'm not paying attention. And then all of a sudden they start going, except it's not that fast. And it's like, oh, what is that noise? That's kind of weird. And they're just like, might give you a heart attack and you'll go blind and you might die in your sleep and your parents will hate you and disown you. Might cause you to jump off of really tall structures. Do not take if you are human. Will certainly cause at least permanent paralysis. More than likely you will not wake up the next morning. Remember, tell your doctor you want to know more about Revengequist. It's like, all right, man, sounds freaking sweet. Sign me up for that stuff. Glad Mr. Fast Talker told me the good stuff at the end. Now I'm totally in. Have ourselves a little Revengequist party. So, uh, first of all, thank you to Jacob for uh, helping me with the uh Instagram. He pulled up a couple questions. PackerNet Podcast on Instagram. You can go follow me over there. Jacob has been asking daily for uh, questions. I know some people are not big on Facebook, and so you guys are not a part of the, the fun little party we have in the Facebook group where I solicit the vast majority of my interactions and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you always wanted to throw in a response, head over to Instagram because we're doing it there too. If you don't like Facebook or Instagram, I can't really help you. Maybe I could. I just, I don't know how. First question comes from Le- Levi Steinman. He says, who's better, Lazard or MVS? I think that's a very good question. Um, but I have to preface this with that sort of obligata- obligatory obligatory do she kind of respond and say, define better. Which is stupid, but it it's kind of true. What do you mean by better? I mean, the the best way I can think to do it is kind of have this overall, overarching look at the player based on all the little qualities boiled down into one. And I like to call those PFF grades because I don't have that ability to say, well, I want to quantify his blocking ability compared to MVS's speed and his yards per reception, and then try to quantify each of those and blah, blah, blah. I can't do that. Based on PFF grades, it's really not even close. Well, I shouldn't say it's not not that disparate, but Lazard consistently grades out in the 70s. He's good. MVS consistently grades out in the low 60s, high 50s. So very average to potentially kind of bad. For my money, I would say Lazard is the guy. He's not going to give you the big splashy plays. I'm glad we have MVS for that one play every three weeks where he gets that 40-yard touchdown reception, but I do think Lazard is a much more consistent, much more reliable receiver. I think you're going to get more targets, more reception, more first-down conversions, and the blocking ability with this particular scheme I just think is much more important and needed and just whatever. That was a nice run. Even the jet sweep stuff. I think Lazard is doing more than MVS, which I find strange. However, with the caveat, because this is the thing, everybody assumes that what happens in the future is the same thing that happened in the past. If I say, I think Lazard was better and MVS has a better season this year, everyone's going to say, oh, what now? Not realizing that I'm strictly talking about the past. Never was I answering a question about what's going to happen in the future. I am fairly optimistic Although somewhat skeptical, there's a great throw. All these guys are wide open, by the way, and some people are going to ding Matt Corral for that because it's very schemy, all that kind of stuff. But these passes here, I know I just said I kind of was unhappy with the uh, the placement or whatever with a couple of them, but that's more or less just throwing to guys that are in extremely tight coverage. These are kind of on the money. But um, again, MVS primed for a good year, hopeful that he's going to have a good year. We'll have to see how that all pans out. But if we're talking about looking into the past, I think it would be hard to make a case for MVS, not for some people, you know, but, you know, he's faster, he's taller. He has, you know, a bunch of yards and all that kind of stuff. What was that? (sighs) But um, to answer your question as directly as I can, I'm going with Lazard uh packers.quickslant says a situation where Rodgers stays for 2022. I don't know what the question is. Um I'm assuming you want me to draw out a situation. I feel like that's fairly obvious and straightforward. We win the Super Bowl. At the very least that's where where you begin and you can start to draw back from there. If we get to the NFC Championship game, does he say, let's run it back because we're close? You know, do we possibly go to Gutekunst? Let's say they work on the relationship. Things are getting slightly better, but he's still kind of half a foot out the door. He's not sure what to do. And Gutekunst, and, and they kind of work on a way and say, look, the, uh, oh, they were not on the same page of what play that was. The salary cap is kind of a mess, but here is how we can kind of do what Tampa did. Here is how we can kind of run it back. Here's the ways in which we can reload, you know, as, as Roger's, Famously said just a few, three, four years ago, where he just wants to essentially reload, just just stack everybody back up and do it all again. Man, come on! But um, I, I, you know, I, I would assume that that's that is the situation. But even that, you know, it, that is sort of the obvious situation. But it's also not all that obvious. Oh, dude, he's he is not doing well. Is he okay? That was bad. Oh, he's up. That was a vicious. I was just about to say, there's. There's those wheels, but that dude went sliding, and they just killed him. He's got some wheels, man. My thoughts on Matt, I know you don't care about Matt Corral, but I'm excited about it, and it's my podcast, and I talk about things where I'm excited about. The thing that I like about him, he reminds me of Jordan Love, but just slightly better than, um, like, everything I liked about Jordan Love, as far as the positives, I feel like Matt Corral has that, but just a little bit better. But anyways, the, the concern I have is, is that even a guarantee? If they win the Super Bowl, why does he stay? He stayed because he wanted to win a Super Bowl. Okay, he won a Super Bowl. So why does he stay? Because he wants to repeat? I mean, I guess if his goal is to be Tom Brady and stack success, if that's his number one priority, why not? If if he hates Green Bay and wants out, okay, so you got your last dance moment. You got your Super Bowl. Why not ride off into the sunset? You got your two Super Bowls. That's, you know, very exclusive club. As much as everyone's upset that we don't have more Super Bowls, very few quarterbacks end up with two. Very few man, his head just banged off. <laughs> Yikes. It's a tough man right there. So I I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't generally like the question because it forces me to really put a lot of brain power into something that I just don't want to, I don't want to go there yet. I, I don't want to fast forward to skipping this whole season. And I know it's just a hypothetical and it's just for fun, but I just have a hard time putting a lot of brain power into, into that. But that is one of the things that every time I hear somebody say it, I kind of get it. You know, like, well, if they win the Super Bowl, he has to come back. Like, yeah, I totally get that. But then there's something in the back of my head that's like, do I really get that? I don't know if I get that 100%. Like, I kind of do, but I, I don't entirely. Like, it's, it's certainly not a, a guarantee. Dude, come on, that dude's name. Are you serious? <laughs> you're, me- you're messing with me. That's not right. I'm doing a podcast here, and you throw that. Come on. Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, final Instagram question. True Brusty on Instagram says, "What are you truly most and least excited about as this season begins?" <sighs> what am I most excited about? I mean, at, at this point, I'm just excited about kickoff. You know, you're putting that guy on camera on person on purpose. Oh, he got ejected, didn't he? Well, you gotta know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, you can kind of go in depth about the, the potential, the upside, you know, what, what could be, I mean, truly, I mean, it, it does, the excitement does go to another level when I think about last year and how special it felt, but really realizing that they still had another gear and can hit that gear. If they can repeat what they did in 2020 offensively and meet their full potential, and I, I understand the odds of this are low. But if they can do that, this this has a chance to be a historic team. This has a chance to be on par with the '90s team that won a Super Bowl, where they had the number one offense and defense. And again, it doesn't have to be number one in both, but it has that level of potential. Now, again, that's that's not very likely. There's there's plenty of there he goes running again. Yes, Maddie with a touchdown. Maddie with the touchdown. Those wheels, son. Didn't think he'd take it and run after that hit. You thought he was scared. He ain't scared of nothing. He. That guy was holding the edge too. He was like, nah, I could beat him. He's slow. He sucked. <laughs> he he didn't really bite down too hard off the edge. He was still standing on his ground. That was a surprising uh what is the flag? Anyways, sorry. Sorry about the commentary. I think on 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 It's it's not the most exciting thing just because I don't think about it very much. But if I wanted to get myself the most excited, that would be it. And and really It's kind of on par, as much as it seems unrealistic, it's on par with what I said last year when I said, what happens if Aaron Rodgers meets his full potential in this offense? I said the exact same thing last year. I said, what if, what if he fully embraces this system and and takes that leap? And I remember we went through all these episodes and we talked about, look at the second year of this guy when he was in the system and this guy in the system, second year, third year, when they finally got a hold of the system and how unbelievable they played. What happens when you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers in a quarterback-friendly system, and, and, and he really grasps a hold of it and really does the best? What happened is this was maybe the best quarterback perform one of the best quarterback performances we've seen, and I'll just put a period at the end of that sentence. As silly as that sounds, again, he graded out higher than Pat Mahomes ever has, as much as nobody would ever want to admit something like that. And it's no disrespect to Mahomes. If you wanted to say he's probably going to have a better season than Aaron Rodgers, fine. But that's the reality. This is the best season Rodgers has ever had he was rightfully so MVP for a reason this was an unbelievable season for him and so again although it maybe wasn't the most realistic um situation it wasn't the most you know something that absolutely had to happen it was still something worth pondering what if and why not right that was the other thing what if and why not we know it's that's the thing we we know it's there that's the difference and and I don't want to sound like a homer but I think the difference between just being a homer, kind of like Bears fans who are super excited about Justin Fields, and I, I know I keep picking on them, but it's just sort of the low-hanging fruit right now. And even even that's maybe not necessarily fair, because there is some reason to believe it, but but there's no genuine evidence of it, right? There's no evidence, but we know about the Matt Lafleur, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Sean McVay system. We understand what it does. We understand what happened to Matt Ryan and Jared Goff and and Jimmy Garoppolo and and guys even back through the two thousands and into the nineties. We know what has happened to some of these guys, even RG three. And we know what Aaron Rodgers can do. Even though there's some question about is he ever gonna truly bounce back or whatever the case may be. You understand you got the two pieces and it's just a matter of can they come together? And if they do, it's it's superhuman. And that's sort of what we're looking at with the Green Bay Packers this year. As good as they were last year, there's no reason they can't be better. Why not? I mean, again, there's variables. I mean, maybe one Zedarius has a better year, but um, maybe Savage is terrible and and Jair regresses and it kind of balances out and they're kind of eh for the the defense. Maybe, but what happens if that's not the case? What happens if the the linebackers improve because of the scheme? What happens if Kenny improves because of the scheme, which is largely expected in the defensive line in general? What happens if Zedarius does bounce back because he's not double teamed all the time because we're actually freeing guys up along the defensive line also because Rashawn Gary's getting more snaps and he's a good pass rusher also because Preston is in a contract year and and Kevin King is in a contract year and has a guy biting at his heels and if he can't do it maybe Eric Stokes comes in and and one way or another we should have improvement at the CB2 slot. What happens if Savage, instead of getting worse, actually gets better because he's one of the more talented safeties in football, but was very inconsistent last year because he's still very young, but gets another year under our DB coach and actually improves? And by the way, the safeties, as Coach Hahn said, expect them to to have some serious stats in this system. What happens if the defense improves? What happens if the defense is really scary? Because again, it's not just speculation. This is different than... You know, we've we've got a bad group of guys, but we brought in a new defensive coordinator, so maybe he'll just fix everything. Maybe at linebacker, I'm doing that. But I'm not doing that for the defense as a whole. I'm saying we know we have studs. Why can't we have a good defense? We should. In fact, that's the standard. The fact that they weren't good is an anomaly. There's no reason that that should have ever been the case. And they were good at times, but, you know, it was never as dominant as it could have been or should have been. And so the, I, I guess the thing that gets me the most excited, although it's not a, at the tip of my mind very often, if there's something that gets me super jacked up or gets me super into it, that's it. And by the way, you want to talk about fate as I'm describing this. Jacob just jumped in right underneath these questions. He says, so apparently PFF thinks we're about to have a career year basically for everyone. I'm down for it. And it's a graphic. Rodgers, 4,798 passing yards. This is their 2021 projections. PFF is projecting this. Aaron Jones... 1,421 total scrimmage yards. Devontae Adams, 1,429 receiving yards. That's their projection for this season. By the way, Mel Kuyper, and I would play the audio, but it's getting kind of late. Mel Kuyper projected the Packers to win the Super Bowl this year. Anyways, as it is getting late, I do want to rip through some more questions here from Goose. Uh, This is from the Facebook group, and then we will get up out of here. Um, First question or comment, I should say, which is right in line. Mr. Mike Evans says, "Sorry, I feel we are Super Bowl bound unless we screw it up. Also, media distractions are very likely if we do real good." I think that is probably a general consent. I mean, I'm speaking as though what I'm saying is profound, but do do people disagree? And I'm not really talking about the the media, and I'm sure there are some sort of relatively pessimistic Packer fans, understandably so. But pessimistic, saying, "Yeah, they'll probably get to the NFC Championship game and fail," and that's understandable, but. I mean, generally speaking, is there any reason that they shouldn't win a Super Bowl? Not that they won't just completely botch it, but based on the roster construction, is there any reason you look at them and say, they're just not good enough? I don't know what that would be. So I don't know. I like that it's starting to kick off this way, and it, and it does make sense. We might as well do it. Is he going to get ejected too? But anyways, I'm glad we're all on the same page. And it, and it, it is, it's right on time because week one's coming up. It's time to start getting jacked up you know it's it, you know let's let's leave all the 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 speculation and pessimism to the side at least until after week 1 and then we can kind of hopefully criticize from a from a position of strength having won the game as opposed to having lost but um let's get fired up man because the the other cool thing again training camp these guys are just ready to go they're looking like they're ready to just let's just let's just run back the playoffs right now goose asks is brady winning another super bowl retiring and Rogers going to the bucks the darkest timeline. So leave it to Goose, freaking Goose, to just completely kill the mood. <laughs> We're talking Super Bowl, man. We're going all the way. This is this is it, man. This is going to be one for the ages. They're going to make a movie about this. And Goose says, is Brady going to win a Super Bowl, retire, and Rodgers going to the Buccaneers? Um, based on what we've been talking about, I have to say no. I'm very sorry. I cannot even entertain that. That absolutely will not happen. Brady will retire midseason because they are 0-8, and eight, and he will just say, I quit because this is the worst team in history. The Buccaneers will dissolve. Aaron Rodgers will uh, lead the undefeated Packers to a 17-game winning regular season. We'll go undefeated in the... Ooh-wee! That was dangerous. Almost a sack or a, uh, a safety. We had a live stream. I I got to figure out a way to live stream some Packer games. I mean, although I'm I'm probably a lot less fun than I am in this Ole Miss game because I don't really care. I'm a basket case for Packers games. But no, that that won't happen. Goose. Uh, Goose followed that up with, "Why does everyone in the media uh, and outside of Green Bay seem to think Adams is gone next year?" I'm not really sure. Um, I don't. I mean, I I think people just look at it and say the Packers have no money and so they can't pay anybody and so he has to be gone. I, it's the only thing I can really think. Um. Tough decisions have to be made, and, and again, if Aaron Rodgers does stay, that complicates things quite a bit, um, and, and you know, for the millionth time, I'd rather not really get into it, but I, I the, the, the Packers are trying to make him an offer. The idea that they can't pay him doesn't make any sense when you factor in, they're trying right now to pay him. Now, it's, it's possible that, again, they're stuck on, on dollars where the Packers are saying, okay, we'll give you 23, and he's saying, I want 27. And you know he won't take less than 27. The Packers can't physically do it, so it's impossible. So they won't re-sign him. But the idea that they're saying simply we just don't have enough money to sign people, so we have to let everybody go, is just false. It's it's objectively false because if if Devante would have just said okay and signed it on the dotted line, it would have already been done by now. Uh, draft hobbyist, what position did the preseason most change in your opinion? Uh, change your opinion on what position? did the preseason most change your opinion on? Not fully sure I understand the question, but let's give it a shot. I'm going to restructure your question to read which position group did I change my opinion on the most after the preseason? Um, In other words, I didn't like them, but now I do. I would have to say, and let me just run through it in my brain real quick before I jump on an answer. It's not quarterback, it's not wide receiver, it's not offensive line. The offensive line does look differently, depending on what your question actually means, that might be the right answer. But based on, you know, do I think that they're going to be significantly better or worse than I thought prior to preseason? No, they're going to be right about where I thought. Possibly a little bit better, but right about where I thought. Uh, Tight end, no, although I do have slightly more confidence in Tunyon. Running back, no, although Kylan Hill is uh, fun. It's a fun little addition. Defensive line, I'm more optimistic about, but it doesn't really have anything to do with preseason. It's more just the scheme of of the uh, of the defensive coordinator. Edge, no, corner change probably for the negative because we didn't see anything good outside of Jair, but is still a free. And the safeties, I didn't, I don't remember hearing much about safeties other than you know backups. So I got to go with linebacker. Um, again, just seeing them perform the, the way that they did um, shocked me. I, I had no expectations coming into the season for linebacker. And, and if they play poorly, they meet my expectations. If they play well like they did in the in the preseason, um, that's, a, that's a game changer. Should the NFL get rid of the running into the kicker five-yard penalty and make them all 15 yards to protect the punter better? Haven't really thought about it, but I'll be honest. I, I don't really ever remember sitting in my chair thinking, man, these punters are just getting just getting knocked around. Usually when punters get hit and then there's a penalty, it's very ticky-tack. I mean, I know it's kind of dangerous and they could come down wrong and all that, but generally it's like a guy's rolling and he bumps the guy's foot and the punter does a little bit of a ballet and falls down and it's a penalty. So I could be mistaken. I don't know if a lot of uh, punters just getting their knees snapped or anything like that. I feel content um, with, with the current situation. In fact, maybe they're a little overzealous with that rule, but I think it's fine. I, that's that's one of the few that I don't usually see a lot of people just furious about. There are a couple that are ticky-tack, but for the most part, usually you're mad at the player. You know what I mean? Like it's it, Even if it's a stupid rule, come on, man, you know the rule. You can't hit the punter dummy. So I, that's one of the few rules that seems to be fine, and I feel like if we mess with it, it's just going to make it worse. Andy Monday asks, how are this season's depth players better than last year? Which key matchups would concern you the most if we lost? I do feel more comfortable with the offensive line depth. We did lose some people, but I mean, you know, I just kind of like the guys that we got. I like the defensive tackle depth. I mean, I like our starters probably more this year than in the past, but we've got some guys, you know, you add in a guy like Heflin, who you just feel relatively comfortable with. I mean, we got six guys and I like all six for different reasons and to varying degrees, but I like them. Um, corner, I like the fact that we have Kevin King, who is backed up by a first round draft pick with stupid speed and and talent and all those kinds of things. They have a Dwight Schrute card. That is fantastic. Um, which key matchups would concern you the most if we lost? I'm not sure what that means either. I'm assuming you're talking about depth and saying if somebody gets hurt, where would we be hurt the most? But that has nothing to do with the question you asked. I don't know. I got to skip that one. I don't know what that means. Man, these bunch of idiots are getting all these penalties. You guys are killing me. Uh, finally, laying on the couch asks, in my opinion, the preseason made me way more confident about the future of right guard. If Royce can continue his early success, we'll have a fantastic line. Yeah. And that's, it, again, like I said, it's just, it's exciting that we've got a guy like Royce that just did what he did. And and maybe he won't be very good, but the, the, we, we, it, it's, a lot of it is based on the structure of how the Packers operate and, and they don't like to have guys out there they don't trust. And it's the easiest thing in the world to stick with just Patrick and Runyon and just run it out there because those guys at least understand some stuff. And even if, you know, he had a couple good preseason games or whatever, um, you still don't put him out there. And we know that they're real slow to put people out there. Very slow. But with this guy, they're looking at him like, no, man, he's we got to get him out there. He's a good football player. So anyways, I got to get going upstairs. It's past everybody's bedtime. The dog is absolutely losing his mind. And so you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.